0: Yep, 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 yep. Is this thing on, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah! Touch the wonder. We're back. Part two of the Image Love Fest, growing up on Image Comics. Okay, so before we discussed um, this kind of overview of image comics and my um, my introduction to them as a young man and uh, I talked about some of the the stuff I look at now in retrospective how um, it, it, these comics really spoke to me in a really deep way despite them not being that deep mostly a lot of them are they're pretty surface level and um what I want to talk about now though is kind of. Um, Kind of hits and misses, you know. The stuff I really enjoyed in Image, especially when I was younger, and then the stuff that now I think still holds up, and some of the stuff that does not hold up, and stuff I didn't like even then. So kind of let's, let's go through the Image comics roster. The, it's the early '90s, so you have the initial um, initial run of um, the seven main creators, right? So I was on board for most of these titles. Like I, I got some of the the first um, the first run on almost. Almost all of these. So that means, I, I said before, I bought Spawn. Spawn was the first one. Led the Savage Dragon. Led the Wildcats. And then um, I bought some Youngblood. I got, I think I didn't get into Shadowhawk into the second series. I think that's the case. And I got some Cyberforce. Um, I want to say it was like, um, I definitely was in on that crossover with Wildcats. But I think I had a few issues before that, like, like Cyberforce 3 or 4, something like that. I did not get any What Works, and I did not, which um, I think that covers all the original guys, right? Yeah. So it, what, Image, you know, it was cool. I liked, the, I liked a lot of these books, and some of them I really loved, but then um, the second wave Image came out pretty soon. I think it was like, it wasn't like the end of that first year, it was like like really early on in the second year. Um, so the second run stuff, you had stuff like The Max, which, to this day it might be my favorite early image comic and um, it's funny at the time I thought it was okay, but I, I actually liked Pit more <laughs> and then, and I just kind of have to I have to kind of laugh at myself because pitt didn 't go anywhere first off, and there was not a lot to Pit, although I still think it 's pretty cool, at least some of the ideas it had, um, but the max definitely blew it out of the water. The max was um to me it was before I read vertigo titles this was a nice um Sort of segue into that kind of uh, that realm of comic books where it's still mainstream, wasn't like full on indie comics yet, but um, there's some different ideas in the typical superhero stuff, and um, of course Sam Keith was the first artist on Sandman, the big flagship Vertigo title. So it's kind of a funny thing. I didn't really think of that connection at the time, but the Max kind of helped me get into the Sandman and some other stuff later on. But um, besides that, there was actually a book called Stupid, which was a parody title where they basically would do. Um, different parodies of different, um, image comics themselves. Like I figured the spawn one was called, but, um, it was terrible and <laughs> they were, they really weren't that funny at all. And I, um, but I remember as a kid, I was just excited that, um, I was, I was somehow cognizant of the fact that when things were parodied, that meant they were big enough, popular enough to be parodied. that enough people get the joke. So I was excited that image was getting there, you know, like to me, that was like them being on, you know, featured in stupid was like this, one step away from the Simpsons making a, like a spawn joke or something which i they, I don't know they might have done at this point um I don't know if they ever did when I was watching though, but you know I mean it was sort of like that kind of thing, so that was cool, but um besides those it was Pitt, which is Dale C- uh Kewin, i think it is uh his his giant muscle bound um noseless guy sort of a mix between like. He was sort of like the Hulk on grunge and like if James Cameron directed a Hulk movie that made him like a grunge rock, uh, <laughs> pale version of him, He's like, almost like a, like a Danzig Jersey goth, uh, Hulk that was Pitt. Um, and then there was a book called Trencher, which I actually really liked. Uh, Trencher had crazy artwork from, uh, uh, Keith Giffen, or Griffin rather, and, um, he was going through a really interesting phase of his art. It was kind of abstracty and all over the place, and Trencher was um, sort of in the Lobo vein of sort of like a mercenary type of character, but he was, of course, looking for souls, and there was this, I remember this issue with like this Elvis impersonator. Maybe it was actually Elvis himself, and like I would stare at panels and, and actually not really be sure what was happening sometimes, but really digging it because it was just so crazy stylized squiggly lines everywhere and everything was just just drawn like these it's really hard to describe but these really kind of um chunky um everything looked like it was like fog smoke that was somehow in the form of people and it's funny I, I don't I didn't really try to do it but I think some of my my own art kind of somewhat is similar where it feels like it just flows out of a pen you could tell I think he didn't do um didn't Seem like he did a lot of pencils beforehand. If you, I don't know if he did even the roughs, he just went for it to the page, but um, that's kind of what I do out of laziness, but also I kind of like the result usually, so that's just a little side for me. And so, besides that, there were some other, they're all the like the, the second tier uh books from all the team guys. So, that means Rob Liefeld's Extreme Studios had like Bloodstrike, had um, uh, Brigade, and a million other titles, and then Jim Lee's uh, it wasn't Wildstorm yet, him and um. Him and Mark Svestri still shared a studio, which it wasn't called Wildstorm; it was uh, a homage, homage, homage studios, right? And so they had a couple other second tier titles, like Stormwatch, and some other stuff. And um, then eventually he had a book, like, a book called Tribe, which I remember. Um, I got the first couple issues, and I thought it was just okay because I was actually the story was pretty cool. I don't remember really digging the artwork, but I haven't, I haven't looked at the book since I was thirteen or fourteen, so I don't know. Maybe I'd actually like it now. I have no idea. And there's a book called, uh, I think it was Wild. So No, it wasn't Wild Heart. There's a guy with the the crazy, like, um, looks like a starfish on his heart. Uh, he's kind of cool design. And eventually Eric Larson used him in, in um, Savage Dragon. Point is, I guess, I, I didn't read the book, so I don't know what that was like. But um, there's a few other titles. But basically, going through that list of those early image books, I guess kind of like early image kind of ends with, um, I guess, like Gen 13 feels to me like Phase 3. So, before that is kind of what I think of as the early image stuff. So, the first two phases, right? So, obviously, I still love Spawn. Um, I was. Uh, I, I got. I started my decline on Spawn um, when Greg Capullo took over on Pencils. And actually, it's nothing against Greg because I think Greg's fucking awesome. And he's especially. I mean, his Batman stuff. Is is great. He's gotten even better. And even Spawn, he was good from the get go. Just he wasn't Todd McFarlane. So even McFarlane inked them it was very different. They have, they, despite having they're both kind of cartoony um, and very action oriented styles, the big difference for me was like McFarlane liked to draw big figures. Like you look at the first few uh, issues of Spawn, and you you know those figures look gigantic. You know like there's a lot of close ups and and. Not just on the face, but like the figures look really weighty and and, and thick and three dimensional. And Greg Capello usually likes to do kind of smaller looking figures, and um, he doesn't do a lot of that. Um, that th- they don't feel as as meaty, and that's totally fine. Just it was different, and I wasn't super into that. And also, was my first my first real taste of when um, you get used to. Uh, a team or an artist on a book, and then they leave, or the team changes, and you have to adjust. And sometimes you just don't dig it as much. And sometimes you just you get totally turned off, and you're and you're off the book. That wasn't the case. I actually bought Spawn. I think th- I went through fifty, maybe a little bit further after that. So um, I was into Spawn. Still love Savage Dragon. And the funny thing was actually um, through the years, I started noticing how I was really enjoying Savage Dragon more than Spawn because I liked the vibe and the writing was was more enjoyable. There's more... Um, Spawn was cool at first because it was really dark and brooding, but then I eventually started reading... got a little older, a little more mature, and so, saw that as really melodramatic and overwritten, and I started actually reading like better versions of that kind of thing. Like I, I had already read Dark Knight Returns at that point, but I read Watchmen, and then um, moving past that, I read some Neil Gaiman stuff, Sandman stuff, and, and eventually Preacher, and I found... I could get my dark kind of goodies um, in a better package. And so I eventually got off Spawn. But there's um, still a lot of great stuff in that early Spawn stuff. Um, but uh, beyond that, the the big book that really came to the forefront was, I like the team books just okay, first off. I liked the team books, I was never a huge team guy. I liked the X-Men, obviously, but I was never like Mr. X-Men. And Youngblood, like, the, the, the release schedule was too erratic. And there was, um, like like a lot of the image books, there's this really promising premise or these really cool um, character kind of uh, sketches and they never really um, uh, realized the potential. So Youngblood was a big case of that. And the idea was that the essential uh, idea of Young Blood was like these superheroes are the biggest celebrities in the world. Instead of athletes or movie stars, superheroes are the number one celebrity, which is an obvious thing, you know. And like Fantastic Four way back in the day would touch on this a little bit, where they would do commercials and shit like that. But this is like that was like the what they you read in the synopsis about Young Blood. And you're like, that sounds great, and a book almost never really explored that in a way that was um, lived up to its potential. And what's really ironic is. Um, Years later, X Force, the book that Rob Liefeld started for for the X Men um, universe in, in Marvel, when he, when he started X Force, there like a mercenary team of you know mutants, and the Cable was like the leader, and they this, they did the the more like um, bloody stuff that X Men didn't get their hands dirty with, right? So Rob Liefeld left that you know left Marvel and did Image, and so years later, um, X Force was sort of reinvented with uh, Mike Allred as the artist and. The idea was that now these mutants are the biggest celebrities in the world. And I don't know if that was like an intentional swipe from Marvel or just it was had nothing to do with that. It's a coincidence that was in the X-Force, Rob Liefeld's old book. But X-Force, when and that book later became Ecstatics, totally took the idea and, and made it ex- what it should have been, what Youngblood should have been the entire time. It was great. And there's there so many interesting angles to that. And, you know, especially in, in the mid '90s, that explored like the celebrity culture, which um, like reality TV was beginning to really kind of rear its head. It was this perfect zeitgeist kind of stuff. So Youngblood fell short. Wildcats, um, Jim Lee had some cool characters. I really thought um, Grifter was a great design, and he seemed pretty cool. Uh, Zealot was also really cool looking, uh, and that's the thing. It's all kind of cool looking. And and Maul, Maul, was, Maul not only looked cool. He's a giant purple guy, wore green, he had horns on his back, but Maul also had a really interesting superpower where Maul could get, um, make his body even bigger and he'd make himself even stronger. He could get a, a Godzilla size, like Kaiju size. But the bigger he got, the dumber he got, the less control he had. And so eventually he'd be this rampaging monster. So that was, that was fun. Ah, some refreshing water, but Wildcats again, none of those characters I really connected with. I, I, there, there was nobody who was a standout. No one. I actually, I, I wondered like, what would it be like to have like, you know, a beer with them or, or you know, I, I not, there just wasn't enough character there. And Cyber Force was even worse, you know. And so they all, and they also, they came with those really pale imitations of, the X books that those guys all worked on. And they all, like it's funny like Cyber Force and Wildcats both had a claw guy. Cyber Force's Rip Claw, uh, Wildcats was <laughs> can I even remember? Oh my god, I, I don't even remember what his name was. He had, he had like liquid metal hands or something crazy. So it was like a like a James Cameron Wolverine knockoff thing. Oh god, he had a bad green ponytail thing. And there's a story called uh, like uh, Deadly Attractions or Fatal Attractions. It wasn't not an X Men thing, but something like that. Where and they had a level fair at the same woman who was part of like who was actually a femme fatale, and it was really just dog shit bad. But as a kid, I, I kind of dug it. I was excited to see these teams uh, team up together and see what their interaction was gonna be like. Didn't really go anywhere. So while while going through that those first few years, I, I tried a little bit of most of the image books, and the ones I stuck with were I liked Savage Dragon. And Savage Dragon kept getting like cooler and cooler to me, because like I started, I um, started enjoying, I guess, a little silliness in my comic books, or a little like, um, a little, little needling of, um, of how wacky comics could be, you know. And Savage Dragon started going in that direction, and and it, it was still bloody and gritty and all that stuff, but it also had a lot of, it, it also had, could make fun of itself a little bit, and also just have fun in general. Like there were jokes and they landed and stuff like that, and. I like that. I like that a lot, and, and so I kept reading Savage Dragon, and then, like I said, Max and the Pit came out around the same time. And so, what's funny is like there's this book called uh, Darker Image, I think it was called, and Darker Image was um, Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, and then Sam Keith with uh, the creator of the Max and his character, the Max. All three of them did this little anthology book, which only had I think one issue come out. And, he, and that um, had a, a, a short a short story of the Max, which I thought was really cool. And I knew Sam Keith's artwork already. I he did a bunch of uh, Marvel Comics Present stuff that had uh, Venom and Wolverine, which I liked. He did a couple of Batman covers I really liked. And um, he just had a, a really trippy, weird style, which was like part Franzetta, part Robert Crumb, uh, part just himself, and, and a few other weird, um, a lot of weird influences that somehow boiled down to what he was. And so I, I liked this stuff a lot. And so his, um, the other characters in that book, uh, Jim Lee had Deathblow, which is him sort of doing almost like a Frank Miller um, variant on his own art style and doing like a typical mercenary story. The artwork was cool and there's a, a nun in stuff and the imagery is really awesome, but you know, it wasn't anything too special. And then uh, Blood Wolf <laughs> from Rob Liefeld was actually pretty fun. It was very Lobo, um, but it looked like Rob Liefeld was kind of cutting loose, more even more than usual. Like his art was a little looser for that little story, and I just thought it kind of worked for me in general. It was a very, um, you know, Lobo Star Warsy bounty hunter in space vibe. And it was fun. But Max was a standout of that book easily, and so when the Max book, I don't know if I read Max one, one and two first, and then went back to darker image. But anyways, Max came out, I picked it up, and a lot of it was pretty weird like I remember like liking it but also being a little confused by it and and just unsure about certain things because it it was a, a little more it eventually became about trauma and a lot of real things which like I said it was spawned in the last podcast I was kind of looking for superheroes to kind of um, confront more real-life uh, um, serious stuff but in you know still in the realm of fantasy and this book did that in a much better way I think than um, spawn Bond did, and some of the other image books he tried. And um, and Max is also, which is really an interesting, my first introduction really to the ideas of feminism um, being called, basically, feminism being called feminism. Like, I, you know, I, you hear a lot of ideas about equality stuff like that, which are feminism, but you don't really understand that. There's a, a whole movement which is dedicated to this, you know. And so Max uh, and the, the max talks about them and and does a pretty interesting job of like exploring them and um i don't know I don't know if it exactly is like um is like saying feminism is the answer or or it's or saying it's not it just kind of discusses them i think it's, it's i think it's a feminist book, but I think it's also not trying to like um like like say this is the only way. Cause like the characters are always kind of discussing this different stuff, and there's they discuss uh, um, different uh, feminist writers and stuff like that. And so, you know, all this stuff basically is like me as a little kid, when I watched The Simpsons, I had no idea what was going on. Some of the references were way over my head, so I had to look these things up and and kind of uh, keep my ears out for um, other references that, that would kind of explain some of these books, you know, and some of these thinkers and, and feminism in general. And so it was really, you know, it's, it's heady stuff for a 13-year-old boy, you know, it's stuff I i had i probably wouldn't have heard about until years later um or maybe like much much later you know so but i heard about from, from sam keith and the max and which is which is cool and it's kind of a fun little introduction it's kind of like when i was um, the first time i heard about nietzsche that i remember it was from Marilyn manson so it's, it's this really weird pop culture like 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 sort of uh, invitations to explore the further, um, the further parts of of history and, and philosophy and all this stuff, you know. And so, anyways, what's funny is that at the time when Pitt and the Max came out, like I said, Pitt was like this very um, muscle bound, like hard 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 rockin' version of like the Hulk, basically. He's an alien of no nose, and he had like um, a weird psychic connection to this little kid named. Timmy, and it was almost like the Watcher Dean Koontz Koontz thing, where the dog and the monster have a weird mental connection. And so, at the time, Pit came out and Max came out, and they both had, um, they both were four-letter titles, and both were spelled with, um, the same, uh, the same last letter doubled. So Max is M A X X, and Pit was P I T T. And I think there's a Pit um, pinup done by Sam Keith, the artist of the Max, in issue one of Pitt, So pit one comes out max one comes out and i like them both but i'm like way on on pit team i'm like pit is badass like he fights and he does that thing every like 90s gritty superhero book did which is basically um spawn does in issue one there's a woman in an alley he's about to be raped and like they they mentioned that she's gonna be raped and the hero comes and saves the day and the, and usually the heroine if i remember in both these situations the heroine, the, the the woman, who was saved from rape, she sees that her hero, um, Spawn or Pit or whoever it is, they're also like they're not like a they're not human or they're not you know a, a normal looking person, and so they get scared away themselves and run away again, and actually Max issue one, I think it does the same thing. A woman's about to be raped, and then the hero comes in in an alleyway and saves them, so Pit also does that, and you know that's just, it's pretty hacky and it's 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 nothing it's not a, a great way to to try to set your world up it's kind of like cheap like you're trying to go for gritty stakes and you know that kind of thing and, and it's, of course it's a, when you discuss rape it's like an easy way to go like you know you know it makes people think that rape is this thing that happens in alleyways all the time you know and obviously it, it can but you know, i think most people know at least at this point should know that most rape happens from People who you know, or just and not not in these obviously uh, dangerous situations. It's more like you're on a date with somebody, or you go to the bar and someone spikes your drink, or it could be even someone you're dating. You know, marriage. I don't want to get into a whole spiel here, but you know, what I'm saying like it's not like this. It's not usually this big dark thing. But then, then again, at the same time, if you're trying to in a superhero world to have a have spawn. Or the max, or one of these guys, you know, stop a date rape. It would actually be a pretty interesting story, but it's not as um, it's not as easy to do as like, oh, this bad guys in alley, they're gonna mug and rape this woman, and the hero swoops down. And you know, it's so that's why this stuff is kind of kind of hackneyed and, and, and childish in a lot of ways. It's not as mature as that sort of subject kind of demands. But um, so anyways, Pit um, one comes out, and like issue two, I think is like six months late, and then issue three was even later. And as that book kept getting later and later, and now also as the story became like more and more apparent, there was not much story to it at all, the Max keeps on uh, chugging along, and chugging is a pun, uh, unintentional, but if you're a Max reader, you know what I'm saying. It's uh, chug, chug, chugging along, and the Max gets richer and deeper, and it starts talking and um, talking about, actually, um, issues like rape and, um, and, and, and just general trauma in a much more mature tone than any of the other books have even attempted, and beyond that, the Max is also just really imaginative and, and interesting and trippy and, and cool and stuff like that. And so, you know, I really, really liked the Max, and the Max of kind of eventually, I think, within like two years, became like my favorite comic book I, I got on a monthly basis. You know, I was still getting Spawn, still getting Savage Dragon, and you know, I I, um, I wasn't subscribed. I, I didn't like get every issue of Sandman. I read Sandman collections. And but like the max was the max was my favorite book you know, and I, I still go back to Max and I reread it. I reread parts of it um, a couple of years ago, and, it, and not only does it hold up, it's even better. There's so many more cool, weird things, and I'm a little older now, some of the references I get better, or or I can see um, or some of the what he was doing with some of the panel transitions, or just some of the the characterization stuff is really great. The character Sarah I thought was a really well-written character, and Mister Gons are really Interesting villain and and Julie Winters and I mean there's there's so many cool characters and I I really like that book and it's really um there's a lot of voice in it a lot of like that book could only come from Sam Keith and that's kind of my favorite thing of anything I like the things that are very distinct so you know the Max if you haven't read the Max find find the first collection and see what you think because it, it rocks I got nothing but great things to say about the Max. And also, I'll say, by the time, I think it's like, issue seven or six of uh, The Max, there's a crossover of Pit, or Pit guest starred in The Max, and by the time that happened, I felt like it was, like, I was kind of done with Pit. I was like, oh, Pit's here. Like, I don't give a shit, you know? And <laughs> I, I, it's funny, I, I can look back at issue one of Pit, and some of the art, it's like, some of the art is still, like, this is great-looking art, and that's kind of it. There's a cool design on the character of Pit, but you know, I I, I I I need more than this cool design. but it's true but that's what happens basically with a lot of these titles and there are some and more than just cool design The some of the, the, the sad part is looking back at some of these things there's a lot of potential just never fully realized in a lot of these books and going back through of the early stuff um, on the flip side it's kind of funny I think Shadowhawk by Jim Valentino he was one who I never really liked his art style at all I like the design of Shadowhawk it's, it's you know it's Basic. It's kind of like the Silverhawks meets Wolverine, but it really worked. And I, uh, I thought he story wise actually did a better job of the gritty stuff than a lot of his contemporaries because he was looking at it in a very um, kind of interesting way. This guy, the Shadowhawks character, he breaks people's spines. He breaks criminals' spines. He doesn't kill them, but he paralyzes them for life. And that's definitely not like you know. You know, it makes you question is that justice or not? And I don't think it is, but it you know there was there's there's some cool stuff to be said about that. But um I never really got into the artwork, so I you know, I read the second series and it was okay, but it was this wasn't my cup of tea. Um But a lot of these image books, great ideas, never realized, or they they basically the creators left them or gave handed them over, handed over the reins. Or some of these books, just you know, it feels like they they were good for a year or two, and and then they just they 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 hadn't didn't have a there wasn't enough to the character to keep it going, or they just ran out of steam. Something happened, you know. And this continues, like the third phase stuff, and you have like Gen Thirteen comes in there, and eventually Battle Chasers, which is I think about three issues that Joe Mad did. Like everyone, basically at this point, like um, Image is like the place to go, so everyone's trying to get in there, and there's some cool stuff and there's also some stuff it's just not that good and of course with like rob Lightfield's crew on the plus side he hired a bunch of new guys guys who this is the first book they ever done right That's it's really cool um, you know but a lot of the work wasn't good at all um they weren't they were not good illustrators they weren't good um, writers and there's there's exceptions obviously but, but um, some of those some of those books are are Amateurish and um, not they're just not good reads. They weren't good reads at the time. I remember even me. I'd look at some issues of Brigade and be like, "Oh, that looks terrible." And, you know, I was also an arrogant thirteen or fifteen-year-old thought I could draw better. And I, you know, I I could not draw better than those people at the time, and maybe not even now. But it, it wasn't. Those books were not what they should have been. Like st- some early Supreme stuff. Yeah, and it sucks because like Rob Liefeld, I think he has a really good knack at. Uh, creating characters and like d- design as well as like um, just kind of general concepts, you know. And and some people give him shit for kind of like uh, ripping off the same few characters, but a lot of those characters that he rips off are his own, like Cable and Deadpool. You know, and Deadpool of course is you know a takeoff on uh, on Deathstroke, a little you know. Th- there's that, but it's also he made it his own and also Deathstroke's design is a pretty basic design. It's like a full face mask, it, like guns. He's like, you know, like a ninja assassin. It's not it's, not the, it's like it's not like Galactus' helmet where it's like this really intricate, like you see the silhouette and you know who that is. No. So it's not that big of a, a, a faux pas for me that he ripped that off. Or R.S. Cable, or his characters look like Cable, you know, it's like, yeah, well he made up Cable, that's totally fine. Or Shatterstar guy, like Prophet looks like Shatterstar. That's all him, dude. I mean, Shatterstar. Yeah, Shatterstar's inspired a little bit by um, Longshot, but that whole weird boxer mask thing that Lifa put on guys it's all Lifa, man. At least I—I I, I think it's the first big superhero guy to wear that kind of thing. And maybe it's kind of based on some anime stuff or manga stuff he ripped off. I know he's in the Appleseed, but I think I think the boxer thing is mostly him. And I think it's it's cool. And I really liked In Profit later on when the they established that he that you know he can remove that from his face and there's like plugs and wires and stuff and because he's an android or or you know genetically engineered soldier guy so he has some sort of weird interface thing and um I think they called um in the new prophet series they called some, it's like I forget what it's called now it's like the crown or something like that like old old like all father prophets crown I forget what it's called but it's it's sweet <laughs> I like it a lot actually um and that's another thing like so eventually they're, these image books like they're not just creators doing their own books they these there's um they're they're hiring people to to do um different titles for them right So they they're hiring ta- talent and some of these ta- some of these guys are great right so um they got Jay Lee Jay Lee I knew from uh, Namor back in the day I love Jay Lee's art still love Jay Lee's art and Jay Lee did some young blood strike file stuff uh just so awesome like nightmarish and that cool kind of two D thing where everyone looks um, really flat and like uh, almost evergory. Everyone's really posed, and uh, it's more like a more elegant uh, Simon Bisley kind of thing or Mark uh, Textera or whatever his name is. You know, um, I love Jay Lee's stuff. So Jay Lee's uh, did that, and he did a, a couple. I know he did some like Wildcats pinups. He might have done a couple issues of Wildcats, like some miniseries. They did, um, but he was great. And then you have Steven Platt, who uh, became like this big star off of doing like Moon Knight. And he had sort of that, he had like a McFarlane-esque thing meets just crazy like over-the-top muscle, viscera, like just just like more 90s than anyone else. Like, you know, like Rob Lightfoot always has like those... like. Those creases on the crotch of all his characters—it looks like they're like their dicks, like a fucking supernova imploding and it's just sucking in the universe. Stephen Platt had that times four. Like Profit, you look at Profit and like he's—it's he's, he he'll do, first off he'll do like he'll do like a locust swarm of bullet shells that was like. Feel the negative space of surrounding the figures who are shooting these machine guns. That's up in the air, and then it comes down to all these these rippled muscles. It's like four Rambo's just like duct taped together to make one guy, and then all that feeds into all, all like the you know the pouches, the 90s pouches. He's got he he can out pouch anybody, and then it all feeds to this crotch, which is just. All these lines converging at this like central nexus of uh, of these uh, muscle bound dudes' dicks, and and the coolest part about it is, it wasn't like an intentionally like it wasn't making fun of like masculinity or making fun of um, kind of like badass dude stuff. It was super earnest, which makes it. You can appreciate it if you you can appreciate it. It's even more ludicrous and kind of funny, or you can kind of appreciate it like this is even more bizarre and weird because it's like unintentional, um, you know, unintentionally uh, silly, unintentionally homoerotic, unintentionally just like why would you do that? Just why? If, why just be? It's kind of sexualized, but like was that explicit or intended? It is really open up all these questions. As a kid. I didn't exactly pick up on that. I, I'll give myself a little credit. I did pick up on a little bit. I was like, <laughs> I got a little funny feeling looking at Prophet's crotch. But, um, no, I, I looked at it, and i like, this book is making me look at this. Like, why are these crotches so, so strained? Like, what's going on? And, of course, you know, I'm not the only one to say this, but, like, when you have these strained kind of crotches and you have these giant phallic guns ejaculating fire all over <laughs> stuff and, like, it seems like this really hyper um, masculine id of like a, especially like a young boy going through puberty is like manifested on the page. It's it's crazy. Like I couldn't think of a better um, satire of, of like a crazy '90s excess than Stephen Platt. And after I talked all that shit, I will say though, I still like a lot of his stuff a lot. And in fact, some of his Prophet oh his uh profit stuff, uh, I think the art looks great. I think uh, some of the coloring sucks on it, like that kind of takes away from it. But like his version of crypt and um, this, there's a bunch of other things he did that I thought this looked really fucking cool, man. You know, like him and crypt fighting with his battle axe, it's pretty epic, man. I mean, that's the way I liked it. And like, yeah, I, I you know it's funny. Like I think some people like Rob Liefeld gets shit for his, his lack of anatomy, all this stuff, but their problem the problem is like people um if you're if you're totally cartoony all anatomy stuff is kind of forgiven mostly because you get people the you, people just understand you're not trying to replicate reality if you're kind of realistic like a jim lee style which you know i'm losing that very loosely but it's more realistic than say like um you know the grew the wanderer style or something like that where it's obviously cartoony if you do like that jim lee rob Liefeld thing people expect it to look to obey the laws of physics and anatomy a little, a little bit more, and Steven Platt kind of was cartoony enough that I, 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 you can kind of forgive some like, like him having like 18 muscles on his arm that aren't even a bicep, because you're just like, that's part of that's what this thing's doing, man. <laughs> you're just going, you're on with the ride. So, talking about prophets, a good segue to the next part of this. Okay, so. Image has been around for, I think, 25, 30 years now, which is fucking crazy and awesome. And of course, they're, they're right now in their new renaissance. You know, like there's, you know, there's Walking Dead, there's Saga, there's um, Sex Criminals, there's all these great books that are critically lauded and they're popular, and that's awesome. Uh, and I, I read all these books, I think they're great. Um, um, but like, it's fun now because a lot of these older image titles, are, um, they've been rebooted a, full time, a few times, but lately it's kind of taking like uh, Brandon Graham's Profit, um, I really, really loved and I loved, uh, you know, there's a, he worked with a million artists and and they did a really cool spin on it where it was like Space Conan and it takes place way in the Far Futures. And so initially when I first read the, f- read the first few issues, I was like, oh, hey, cool. I mean, it's called Profit. It has almost nothing to do with the old Prophet book. But you know, it's, it's, I, I just like this book. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Simon Roy had a cool, people say Mobus, and it's a little bit of that, but that's kind of, a, a, Mobus is such a big, like, Inspiration. He's like he's like a Mobus is like a continent of inspiration. So it's like saying oh I'm from Africa. It's like well, what part of Africa? Or I'm from I'm from the United States. Okay, like are you from Texas? Are you from Minnesota? Like there's a difference. So yeah, he's from like the the Mobus continent, but he's got his own thing, and he you got all other influences. But the, the art was great, all the storytelling. But it was really cool. What Prophet's is like the story went on. All of a sudden, the, like Die Hard comes back from the Young Blood, and there's. Bad Rock's mentioned, even fucking Troll's mentioned. And it starts, like, tying itself back into the old Rob Liefeld Extreme Universe. And it's sort of, like, um, it rewards people who remember that stuff at all. But also kind of, I'm not going to say legitimizes, but also it makes it... Um, it made you feel like the creators saw that those old characters did it. There was some cool stuff in them. They weren't just, like, jokes. There was some fun stuff. Or even if you don't like those characters, there's, there's, there's kernels to what Liefeld did that were cool. And so I like that. I like Glory... Um, another Liefeld thing. Um, and I think there's potential for other titles, like um, especially the ones that have been laid, laid by the wayside, you know? Other image books to kind of come back with and, and either come back with new creators or has, in the case of Spawn, dude, I think it I would be, I know I would probably buy at least one issue just to see what it's like if McFarlane came back, drew the whole thing, wrote the whole thing, just came back on board full on uh, it would be awesome and don't be wrong I, Spawn could also be great like when Ashley Wood did some stuff for Spawn back in the day it was, it was really cool I, the Eric Larson stuff was really cool I just uh, I haven't loved any of the artists I've seen on Spawn not that I've read all of them uh, Spawn's on like issue 300 or something now or close to it um, but uh, yeah if McFarlane came back to Spawn I would definitely have to check it out I just I would have to Tiles okay, so the wild storm stuff, Jim Lee stuff's kind of off the table. He's got a DC contract, and, and a lot of those characters have been integrated in um, DC universe like Grifters, there, um, Midnighters, there. So that's stuff's off the table. And I, you know, honestly, I never had a huge strong attachment to a lot of his characters, so that's okay. But um, I think I talked a lot of shit about Pitt, but I think Pitt, as I said before in this, in this uh, podcast before, you know. I use the phrase "bones." It has pretty good bones in a lot of ways. This, you know, you take like the the central idea of this alien warrior badass. For some reason, have a, have a mental connection with a little Earth kid, and they're hanging out together. And what's you know, my personal idea is, you know, because I don't give away my million dollar idea, is kind of cut out the middleman. Instead of having this uh, big berserker alien guy befriend a little kid with mental connection be cool to me have 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 Timmy be able to control Pit, like take like have the have the Captain Marvel Shazam kind of angle, or like Prime, which is a, a cool '90s book where the kids in charge. Especially if he's like he's a murderous like this thing could wreak some real real havoc, or maybe have it alternate. It'd be kind of I think it'd be kind of cool have it like flip side, right? So when Timmy takes control, Pit. Um, you know, Pitt's is a little boy in his size of this berserker alien, but at the same time, Pitt is in Timmy's body. So you have this warrior, this like, ultimate badass Conan strategist warrior guy in a little boy's body. What happens? Does he go to school? Does he mouth off to his mom? Does he somehow use his wiles, even though he's a little a human body, to kick ass? And is Timmy in the mean si- uh, in the flip side... You know he's an ultimate badass warrior. Does he suck at fighting? Does he does he get scared? You know, like I think that'd be that'd be cool. It's and it kind of goes back to like E.T. when they have that mental, mental connection, and like when E.T.'s getting drunk and Elliot burps and stuff like that. Take it take it one step further, man. I think that'd be really fun to have um, like alter egos and have them flip, you know, go into each other's lives. You know, like I, I think that'd be fun as hell. And if no one does it, I'm gonna steal that idea totally. So that's that's mine. Um, but there's, what's some other books? The like Max I think is great. I, I heard that, um, my buddy Earl posted this thing on Facebook that Max uh, Sam Keith's gonna do a Batman Max Max thing, which sounds really fun to me. But um, it's a one-off. I think the Max story is is solid, it finished. You know, basically, it's good. Savage Dragon is continuing, and you know, I actually don't really the last few. Um, Last year or so, I've been contemplating not subscribing anymore, and I the reason I, I don't just stop getting the book is because I haven't liked the new direction so much, and but I know that the direction will only last for so long. Like, Eric Larson always changes it, so right now it's kind of like a raunchy uh, porn-esque comedy, like a really uh, sex-filled action book, and I'm not against that. I think it's fine. I just think uh, Eric Larson's not really doing a great job at it. It's not really sexy to me, and most of it's not really that fun. Uh, so I, I kind of like I'm kind of hoping he gets he, he moves on to the next thing soon if not I'll probably take off for a while come back in when the book feels like something um, this does something else that, and does it better so I don't think Savage Dragon should be rebooted Or that book is Eric Larson that's, that's kind of like the perfect image book as far as the creator stayed with it it's just about the creators uh, doing something cool with that character Spawn I think McFarlane should um, come back at least for like a four-issue run, it'd be cool. Because I, I, I get that dude's kind of done with sequential art, or at least uh, the monthly grind. I get that. But it'd be cool for a limited series or a four-issue run or something like that. And, and then to my knowledge, he hasn't. He hasn't come back. He's done maybe one issue here and there. He hasn't come back full on for for a long time. But um, Young Blood, like they're doing, they're still, they keep doing reboots on all, all his stuff. Cyber Force has come back a couple times, and um, I got a few issues of like one of the reboots. I thought it was actually kind of interesting. They they lean into like the cyberpunk kind of aspect, and um, that w- that wasn't it wasn't bad. Although at the same time, I didn't get all the issues, so could have been that great. I'm not really sure if I have any ideas for what they could do with that one. Um, there's another Shadowhawk, Hawk again. Shadowhawk... Hawk good bones there's something there you could do something cool shadowhawk not sure what i i would actually like it if um you know mentioning all these image series um of uh, you know like wave three or whatever when they started doing a lot of weird stuff some of the best stuff was that like astro city um which is not any longer image book maybe it's maybe it's back in image it's gone back and forth a million times um astro city had some really great stories Kurt Busick, the guy did marvels um uh 1963 alan moore Awesome stuff, and I think they had a, a, a like a '60s silver age version of Shadowhawk in that. And I think it'd be kind of fun to do what they did with Daredevil recently, where they um, they went back and made him really um, silver age and fun, and take a dark character who's become like really Frank Millery. So Shadowhawk started out like that, but have like have like a I don't know if they've done it. Maybe I haven't kept up. so Maybe they've already done something like this. But make Shadowhawk the guy breaks spines make him, because his name is Shadowhawk, he'd also be a fun, pulpy throwback character, make him like the Phantom, make him like Batman, make him like a goofy 60s um, character, like Shadow Shadowhawk 66, you know what I'm saying, like I think that'd be a really fun angle, and Jim Valentino um, if you're if you listen to man um I think you might be into it. You seem you, you you've been around a while, and you, you like a lot of things. You, you did nineteen sixty three. I, I I think you've done a lot of uh, variant stuff. So I think you you you'd be cool with that. I don't know. I think it'd be neat. Um, let's see. Besides that, who else is there? I feel like there's a big character I'm, I'm missing. Like I never really read the darkness. I don't really care about that. Um, Gen thirteen was cool, but I think it was kind of good for what it was. I mean, you could bring it back, but I, I don't I don't know how. Exactly. Although well, I guess the first thing I thought of Gen Thirteen is like, you know, it was like it was a co-ed team. What most people remember is that Gen Thirteen was like mostly these really hot chicks and like two hot dudes. And Gen Thirteen eventually, the, the sort of like the next book was Danger Girl, which really just like got rid of the dudes. as like the sexy chicks, right? So make a Gen Thirteen sexy dudes mostly or all sexy dudes. And even especially you do it like um, like a boy band. They all get like mutant powers or whatever, and. I think it'd be kind of fun, especially nowadays in the climate now, to kind of make it a little more equal opportunity and have like, you know, the whole Haw- the Hawkeye initiative kind of thing, all these hunky dudes, and and either you just have fun with it and have them doing like butt poses the whole time and and just being like, like you know, like kind of what Danger Girl was, like over the top sexy, or you kind of, um, y- you know, you really, um, if you don't, just have fun with the issue kind of uh take it apart a little bit it'd be kind of interesting to i don't know either have like have the characters comment on at some point or have the book itself sort of really um get it in your face how sexist and unfair it is like when like all, all the all the chicks on the team are wearing like thongs and like bra armor for some reason but the guys are like full body suits and and e- even you know when they have like don't get me wrong. I think sex. I think sexy stuff is cool. But when you have a superhero book, when it's like all the men are kind of not drawn in those certain poses, all, and all the hero women are like in their butts up, and the guys aren't. And it's not. It's not really done the same. That's not fair. And that's kind of shitty. And it's also kind of like if if if, if there's, the book is supposed to be a big adventure book, and you're doing that, it doesn't seem right. If the book's supposed to be like a sexy thing or whatever, then it's kind of a different story. And that's my personal feeling. But that's one thing you do, Gen Thirteen. Uh, the boy band angle but um i don't know but overall i just want to say like um kind of tie this up real quick uh image books i i i still i still read image all stuff all all the all the new stuff that i think is really good uh, and there's a lot of it and like head loppers one of my favorite books rumble one of my favorite books and those books remind me because they're still very much art focused and action oriented they're kind of like um they're more in line with the classic image stuff, but kind of brought to a, a new level, like a more modern level. And don't me wrong, I still, I love Saga. Saga's great, Fiona Staples, fucking phenomenal. Um, but those books are kind of like the new image. Hedlopper and Rumble kind of feel like they're a little bit of, uh, in both worlds. But uh, I'll say, like I, I these image books, um, I have a lot of memories with the old ones, and I think they're worth revisiting, at least some of them. Some of them are terrible and shitty. Um, but I'll say this, like, these books, like, there are parts of my life I remember reading these books and, I, and like, it's like listen to a song I remember where I was. And what I really remember about Spawn, is that first issue number four I bought, which when I was terrified of God and I continued to buy Spawn and McFarlane stuff because I thought going to hell would be worth it if I could read more about Al Simmons and Tom McFarlane's, uh weird uh, take on the afterlife. I was like, this is worth it, Spawn is worth going to hell. But the other thing I remember is issue one. So I eventually backtracked and I bought issue one, right? My sister um, who was 15 or maybe 16 at the time moved away. She uh, she left our house and uh, she was kicked out basically by my mom and she lived with my Aunt Susie. And we lived in Arizona and Aunt Susie lived in Ohio. So Allison, my sister, went went to live, live far away and I'm four years younger than her. So I'm either uh, 12 or 11 when this happens i believe and she gets sent away and so as uh when she's leaving you know i, I a sister and me were extremely tight and so i uh i think it was like i gave to her like right before she left i gave her my issue one of spawn and she knew Oh, well, this is like my favorite character my favorite book all that stuff and i told her i was like i was like i want you to have this and I was like, I know I'll see you again, and I know you can give back to me at some point. Like, this is, this is, I, I don't know if I said it to her, but I was trying to, to explain that this meant, giving you this book meant that I know we'll be together again, and that this is only a temporary thing, and that I trust you. <laughs> and, you know, this book was very important to me, but, you know, she was obviously way more important than that book ever will be. So even if she lost it, no big deal. <laughs> but I gave it to my sister, and I remember I remember her crying. I think I cried too. And you know, a couple years later, when I did see her, um, she gave it back, <laughs> or or maybe she just showed me that she still had it, and then the years after that she gave it back. But um, yeah, that's a really good memory. <laughs> Although, just so you know, I also bought another issue number one in between this time because I wanted to reread it, you know, and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know, if I'm gonna see my sister or not. Maybe I was fucking wrong. So I don't know if she knows about that. So I have two issue number ones, but um, <laughs> that's that memory. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll come back next time. We'll talk about something else. Bye. <laughs>